Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. How are you this morning? Good. I see some yawns. I see some head nods. I see some uh, cold people. Good on you for braving the wet and the rain to, to be here this morning. God is doing something. I like this side of the room. God is doing something. Oh, they're pretty good. That was like we rehearsed it. God is actually at work right now. Yeah, they're there too. Um, I love that, that thought with just waiting on the Lord to see what it is that He has. You know, to just remember what He's been doing in your personal life. Because we can get kind of detached from you know, what God is doing individually, corporately, but God moves on our hearts. He does things in our lives. And so to take those moments to just appreciate Him and to think about what His goodness and His kindness and what He has done for us. And that encouragement as well to, you know, to, to look to the, the, the needs of the poor, to look to the needs, the, the needs meeting the needs of those um, who are less fortunate than us in many cases. And uh, just to, to flag something with you in the month of August, we will have our annual faith offering. And if you've been around for a while, you probably remember a faith offering. If you're newer to the church, a bit of context to this. Uh, what we do is every year we gather as a church and we give, uh, our, we give a sum of finances. Every cent of that, that money goes toward others in our community or in our um, globe. Last year, we raised $81,000 in, in this one offering. And we were able to distribute that to different nations. Uh, even in the last couple of weeks, we heard of the COVID situation over in India. And we said, we want to respond to this. We had $10,000 sitting there that we sent over to two places in India, two ministries in India, to support them for, for emergency relief and um, some medical care. So that is what we are looking towards in the month of August and we're going to be getting some more information about that out soon but our heart really as a church and I love this about us is one of the marks that I would say of our of our church is generosity you know we, we seem to uh, punch above our weight in the area of generosity people are like how, how can a congregation of this size give uh, a, a amount of money that large and the only way that that is possible is through the work of God in our hearts to increase us to expand our generosity so that we can give from a place of abundance and joy and so we're looking forward to that I want to encourage you even now to start thinking about that couples start praying about that uh, how would you be able to to be a part of that we never ask for a certain amount of money. We don't say, like, everyone, can you just give $100? We really encourage you to settle that with God yourself and allow Him to prompt you, allow Him to guide you in how you would be led. Uh, it's never, you know, we don't believe in uh, equal amounts of giving, but we do believe in equal amounts of sacrifice. We believe that, you know, we all want to do this together. So uh, let me encourage you to even be praying into that. It's an exciting thing. We usually have this joint service where we come together with our Malaga congregation, our, our brothers and sisters there, and we celebrate and we give, and it is such a powerful thing. And we see the fruit of what hap what's happening. And you'll hear some updates from some of the, the people that we've been able to bless financially through our faith offering over the coming weeks. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Can I pray into that? 
Can we pray? Father, we just thank you again for, for the opportunity that you give us to, to partner with your spirit in the work of generosity. And we know that in your word you say that the, the world of the, of the generous continues to increase. It gets larger and larger. And I know you mean our heart and our spirit and the people that we are become uh, bigger as we extend generosity to others. And we just pray even now you'd start to speak to us clearly about how we could be a part of this. And we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning I'm going to bring uh, a word from the scriptures that I have been, you know, it's kind of, it was, my, I guess my attention was perked a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you like just going through life and uh, something stands out to you and it catches your attention. It kind of, it might be something someone says, a phrase someone says or something someone does. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a testimony from Wendy who shared about her son's healing of uh, multiple sclerosis, MS. And uh, one of the things that she felt in that time was that, uh, you know, when they, when they heard the report of the doctor, she felt God give her a word that said, whose report are you going to believe? And that has stuck with me for the last couple of weeks. And just thinking about you know, the, the, the reports that we listen to, the, t- the testimonies that we listen to, the words that we listen to, and what the, the impact that that has on us. I'll tell you a story about a guy who was part of our church, was part of our church, uh, but this, back in the day, we, we used to have these um, footy games as a church, and we'd play AFL. We can't play as much as, anymore because I'm a bit older now. I used to kind of get, get people together to play that. But we'd play these uh, games of footy. And, and if you've got, if you, you know people, you know there's always that kind of person that likes to talk themselves up a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Like they kind of like to tell you how good they are, even if they're not necessarily that really that good. And if you can't think of the person who does that, perhaps that's you. But there was this one guy who was a friend of ours, and he, he had the, uh, you know, he liked to kind of talk himself up a bit in, in how good he was in footy. And anyway, we had this church game, and he, uh, at, the, at the end of it, it was pretty close. It was intense as it gets in football games for the church people. Uh, the competitive spirit comes out, the... You know, the aggression comes out, but it was really close, and it was like, you know, who's going to win this game? And anyway, this guy ends up kicking two goals in the last quarter to win the game. And let me tell you, you heard about it. You didn't just hear about it on that day, but that, that, that was the, you know, the legend that was, this guy and his goals that he scored to win the game. Anyway, a couple of the other blokes, they were like, man, this guy, we've got to kind of, go, got to kind of level him out a little bit. He's, too, he's getting too... Uh, Big for himself. And so one of these guys, he actually comes up with this prank. And he says, look, he, he, what he does is he gets this um, letterhead from the West Coast Eagles. And he writes a letter. Darren Sutton, you're, you're a prankster, mate. You, you'd appreciate this. He writes this letter from John Warsfold and says that, hey, we've, we've been sending out scouts to all the local footy games and we actually had a scout down at the, the, the Grace Life Church football game who was looking for any talent and he's, you know, he, he picked up on your goal-kicking ability or whatever, whatever the letter said, but basically said, we want to invite you to come and train with us for the preseason. He got it like, uh, made it really official, had it signed and everything, sent it via the registered post, so it seemed really official. And anyway, this guy gets this letter from John Warsfold, and he, uh, he literally believes that 
John Walsfold has sent scouts out and has seen his footy ability and he, he wa- he's getting a um, he's going to be drafted, basically recruited to the West Coast Eagles. He believes this letter that he's got. The first thing he does is he goes out and tells all of his friends. He calls up some of the guys at church who actually wrote the letter and says, you're not going to believe what happened. This is a true story. And uh, he, he's like telling him about John Walsfold. The second thing he does is he gets his trainers on and starts going into intense training because he's going to prepare himself for his call up to the West Coast Eagles. It had to, you know, they let it go on for a couple of weeks and he thought that he was going to be playing for the West Coast Eagles, but they had to break it to him and uh, his heart was actually broken. But he believed what they had said to him and he took that on. Fake news. The prank. Is that you, is it? You take that. Oh, mean. I thought you said it was you. It is mean. I know. I'm not endorsing that at all, by the way. I wasn't involved in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know something else that happened? It was in 1938. Some of you might remember this. I was trying to do the math, that's 83 years ago. So I'm not saying if anyone's going to remember this, but in 1938, they used to, apparently, I wasn't there, so I can't vouch for this, but apparently what they would do is listen to theatre on the radio. There's a few ums. Uh, you know, we probably sit around the TV and watch, the, watch, watch a movie or watch something together. Uh, back in the day, in 1938, they would sit around the radio and they would have like the uh, different plays, Casablanca, or they would listen to these different plays. And what happened in America in 1938 was there was this one play that was broadcast on the, the radio. And this play was called The War of the Worlds. And the War of the Worlds was a play that was based around an invasion of aliens into the world who were going to take over the whole world. Martians, were they? Martians. Re- <laughs> Someone remembers it. I want to go back to this side. And anyway, they, they broadcast this like play and they were, the, the way that it was designed was that it was like a news broadcaster who was telling of what was happening in a, a broadcast of these aliens that were invading. What they didn't think at the time, they were doing it to try to get, gain attention, but what they didn't realize was that people would eventually tune into this frequency and hear this radio uh, play and, re- and think that it was actually real. This actually took place. They, they reported, one police station reported over 2,000 calls on this night that this radio that this brought, was broadcasted asking for help because they were worried that aliens were invading. People were trying to leave their houses. They were trying to get in the cars and uh, drive down the street to, to get away from this alien invasion because they tuned in and they heard it and they thought wow that's real this is what's actually taking place did anyone here try and get out no good but they heard this fake news they heard this thing on the on the radio and they thought man this is really happening and they panicked and went out do you know that the the words that we listen to have great power in affecting the way that we live the the words that we are receiving the words that we're listening to 
have great power in affecting the way that we live. Your testimony, we talk about the power of testimony. Your testimony, your telling of Jesus' work in your life, of what God has done for you, has great power. But do you know that the, the flip side is also true? Those things that we speak of that, that, that are negative or critical or those things that aren't of God, they can actually have power as well. We're going to jump into a passage of Scripture which you're possibly familiar with. You probably are. But I want to take it from perhaps a different angle this morning and look at the power of the words that we listen to and believe and what they uh, can do in our lives. This is from Numbers 13. Get to context of what this is, is uh, Moses is sending some of the, the Israelite leaders into the promised land to have a look. God has given them a promise that they will inherit this land. They will live in this land. And he, gives, he gets a couple of these leaders together, 12 of them exactly, one of each of the, the heads of the tribes of Israel, sends them into the promised land to have a look. They're kind of scouting it out. They're looking at what this looks like. They're looking at who's in it. He gives them some instructions. Go and check out what sort of produce there is. Check out what, 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 what is in that land. And have a look at some of the, the people in there to make some observations. They're about to go into this land. It's been promised to them. It's their inheritance. That's important to remember. It's what God had said that they would have. And so some of them went in and they checked it out. For 40 days, they scoped out this land. They went from different parts of this land. They saw what was in it. They saw who was in it. And then they come back to Moses, who was the leader at that time, and they give a report to him. Now, we're going to read that report in uh, Numbers 13, verse 25. It says this, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community sorry they reported to the whole community what they had seen and shown them the fruit from that they had taken from the land this was their report to Moses this was their testimony to Moses this is what they said we entered the land you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country a land flowing with milk and honey here is the kind of fruit that it produces the first part of their testimony, when they come back and they report to Moses, who had sent them, was that it is exactly what you said it was going to be. There is incredible fruit. It produces, you know, there's, this is like lavish. This is incredible. It's exactly what God was promising. It's exactly what they, they, they were expecting. But then he says there in verse 28, he says, but. Everyone say, but. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and all the other ites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Verse 30 then says, so they start to say, this is what it looks like, but, 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 but. But there's some giants in there. But there's, you know, there's, there's fortified walls. But it's, it's going to be difficult. But it, it, it's scary. But you know, it, it, it's not going to be easy. And then it says in verse 30, but, everyone say but. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We, we can certainly conquer it. Can we show that in the NKJV, please, Lockie? 
Classic. NKJV. Then Caleb quietened the people before Moses and he said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there. All the people who we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So they come back, and the first part of what they're reporting, their testimony, what they testify to these other, to, to their brothers and sisters in, in their nation, is that it's exactly what God said. It's incredible. There's fruit. There's, there's, there's flowing water. There's, it is incredible. But... There's giants, but it's, it's scary, but there's, there's, it's not going to be easy. We will never be able to take it. They will defeat us. And then one man says, we see there, Caleb says, no, no, we should go in and we can take possession. We will surely overcome as God has promised. Let me say this. First, first thing here. You can overcome by the word, or you can be overcome by words. You can overcome by the word, or you can be overcome by words. They come back and they hear, the the whole nation starts to hear this, and they do not go out to this place where, where God was sending them. Not because they saw giants, but because someone else saw giants. They were overcome, not in a battle, but by words. They heard what someone else had said. You know, they they didn't see giants for themselves, but they heard what someone else had said about the land that was there, and they were overcome with fear because of the words that they heard. Not because the giants they saw they didn't see them themselves but because of the words that they heard they were overcome with fear i don't know if you've ever been talked out of something or you've ever had uh, a thought that you're you know about spiders or a fear of of something that your cockroaches i've got fear of cockroaches don't judge me they're horrible they are but you have something that you, you 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 know those kind of experiences that you play out in your head but never actually happen. You know, I'm scared of cockroaches because I'm afraid a cockroach is going to kind of like jump up in the air and fly and like hit me in the face. Never actually happened. Probably never will happen. But I have this fear inside of me because I've heard that it's possible and I've seen it on YouTube. Moral of the story, don't watch YouTube videos about cockroaches that are flying. But the fear comes not because I've actually seen it for myself, but because I've heard or I've read or I've seen It's somewhere else. And so they lost the battle before they even got in the battlefield. They gave up. They were overcome, not by what they saw, but by what they heard. Do you know that the words that we speak have the the ability to influence other people's destinies? There were 10 men that gave this report, this negative report. 
In the start of Numbers, in Numbers 1, it says that they did a, a census when they came out of Egypt and they counted 600,000 males who were over the age of 20, old enough to fight in, in, in the army. 600,000. That's just men over 20. You look at the, what that would possibly work out to, so you're talking about possibly like 2 million Israelites that came out. Ten people give a report that affects two million people. Ten people with a negative testimony give a report that affects a whole nation, changes their destiny, causes them to be overcome with fear, rather than stepping in with faith to possess what God had promised to them. Possibly because of their own fear, their own worry, their own concern, they gave this report that then cost their people. What's the modern equivalent? Let's have a think about this. Media. Do you know that there are in Australia there are two major corporations that run all media? Two major have a major say in what we hear, what we're told, what we're reported upon. And I'll tell you, I'm not trying to, I'm not putting a tinfoil hat on. But the media has an agenda. And it's not to just inform you, but it is to boost their own sales, it's to progress their own uh, establishment. It's to make money. If you look in America, they, are, they, they say that there's 15 billionaires, 15 people who are billionaires who control the whole of the media. Now, the fact that they're all billionaires probably should inform us of something. But what does that mean? That means that there is a small minority that has the potential to influence the majority in the way that they think, in what they hear, and what they believe. COVID, fear, mass buying of toilet paper. But you're not going to forget that, are you? You might not have been around in 1938, but you're never going to forget Woolies with people bashing each other for toilet paper. Where did that come from? It's fear that is perpetuated through the stories and the narratives that we tell. And it's fed upon because it sells. The story, the, the, the word, the, the testimony, the report that is given informs us, but, but the way that we, we discern it, the way that we take it in, the way that we believe it actually has an effect. They were overcome with words. But then one stood up, and Caleb, in the NKJV, the, the translation, I kind of look at all different translations when I'm studying. The word, it just grabs me. Because he says, we can surely overcome this. You see, all of the other people were overcome with fear because of the word. But Caleb said, we can overcome because of God. They could overcome by the word. They could overcome by the word of God. Revelation 12, verse 11. Can we put that up, please, Lockie? And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the testimony. 
by the word of their testimony, and they, do not, they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. How did they overcome? This is saying that they overcame the beast, that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the work of Jesus, and the word of their testimony, the confession, the, the, what they said about what Jesus had done, and the results, the work in their hearts, that they were not... Um, they did not love their lives so much that they would shrink, but that they would give their lives for the cause. You can overcome by the word, or you can be overcome by words. You can overcome by the word of God, or you can be overcome by words. We need to be careful about what we're listening, what we're allowing to come into our minds. What we're allowing to fill our hearts, the reports, the words that we speak, even one to another when we, we're talking to each other, even as we, we, we talk about what's happening. Do you know that your words can, can affect other people's faith? Your, your testimony, when we hear a good testimony, when we hear what God is doing in someone's life, does it not stir faith within you? Does it not make you believe, God, you can do that? I believe you're able. But then the words, the, the words, the other words that we can speak, the, 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 the wrong report or uh, those words of criticism or those other things, we can, we can speak those words and they can affect other people's lives. They did not walk into the promised land because of what they heard and what they believed. Here is the truth. Had they gone into the promised land, they would have taken possession of it. Why? Because that's what God had said. His word said this is what's going to take place. They chose to believe another word. They chose to believe a word that, that was uh, filled with fear, a word that was uh, self-conscious, a word that was directed to themselves. If you listen to the, the report that they'd give to the other men, so when they report to Moses, they say the land was exactly as you say it was. But then when they report to the other men, it says nothing about the land. It only talks about the giants. They don't confess the promises of God. Yes, it's what he said, which is important because they saw what he said. But they confess the problems. They confess the giants. They say that there's no word of, hey, this is exactly what it's like. But they just confess the, the problem. Be careful to what you listen to. And also be careful to what you speak. You know, your testimony is a weapon. Your testimony is actually a weapon with which you can fight and with which you can help others fight. Because it becomes your story. And your story can help others to, to stand in their story. So let's be people who speak of what God is doing. Let's be people who declare one to another, to encourage one another with the goodness and the kindness of God that we see in our own lives that encourage, that help, that use our words as weapons to wage warfare against the enemy, to push back the darkness. Here's the second thing to, to think today. The words that we dwell on create the worlds that we dwell in. The words that we dwell on will create the worlds that we dwell in. There in verse Numbers 14, 
once, it, once they've said this, so they, they give the report to the people. And then in verse 1 of uh, Numbers 14, it says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. I read this, and I thought, man, that's a bit dramatic. That is, like, pretty dramatic. They started crying all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we died in Egypt... Or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us into this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted amongst themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. They hear this discouraging report. And not long after receiving this report, they spoke. Spiral from discouragement to despair. They hear about giants that live in the land. And in the very next chapter, those giants have already stolen their children and plundered them. Giants that they have never seen. Giants that they have never encountered. But giants that are now in their minds that have already taken them out. I don't know if this has ever happened to you where, where there's something that, a thought that comes into your mind that does to you something that you haven't really experienced. Where it, it, it's like, this could happen. And so because this could happen, I'm not going to go. They didn't get on the battlefield because they lost in the battlefield of the mind. They lost the, they lost the battle in the place of their thinking. And it spiraled quickly from discouragement where, you know, they're pretty big to, oh my goodness, we should have died in Egypt. It's despair. You know, what you allow to take root in your mind will produce fruit in your life. That which you allow to take root will always produce fruit. And so if we allow those thoughts to take root in our minds, they're going to produce something in us. The thoughts of the giants, you know, that's the confession that keeps coming out, is the people that we're going to go up against. The giants, the big people, they've never seen them for themselves, but because they've heard about them, they've probably imagined them. You know, your imagination can, can, can be a good thing, but your imagination can also be something that you've got to watch. Because you can play out stories and scenarios that may never happen. When the thought gets in your mind, and you, you, I don't know, has that ever happened? Where it's like a whole movie, and before you know it, your whole life's over. And I read this, I'm like, that's pretty dramatic. But then I think, you know what, I've thought things like that before. I'm not going swimming at Scarborough Beach because a great white is potentially... Yeah, lurking in the shoreline, because I can't really swim anyway, so I wouldn't be far out in the water. But there is potential that a great white gets swept in by a massive wave, hits me, takes me out, so I'm just not going. You know what I mean? The, the thoughts that get stuck in your mind, and then you play them out. What if, what if, what if, but, oh no, oh no. And before you know it, you've gone in this spiral, which is so far from the truth. What about negative thoughts? Have you ever noticed that you can have a conversation with someone? I don't know if you ever get feedback. I get a lot of feedback being a pastor. 
But you get some feedback and, and some of that feedback is positive and some of it is sometimes negative or sometimes critical. You could hear 15 positive things, but that one negative, that one critical, have you ever noticed how much that sticks in your mind? How it can just kind of take root in your heart and it can cause discouragement. And if you continue to dwell on it, despair, there is power in it. So we have to be very careful what we allow into our minds. The word that we believe, the, the testimony that we receive, the, the report that we take on. Is it what God is saying or is it something different? Because the words that we dwell on will create the world that we dwell in. What you dwell on will affect what you dwell in, the life that you have. We know that so much of our life is dictated by our thinking, by what happens inside of our heads. Mel shared um, last week about you know, the, 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 those thoughts and, and about that, that wrestle that we have sometimes in the tensions with God where... Life is not really matching up to what the Word says or what God says. And so we have this kind of struggle and this wrestle. And she shared that from a place of rawness and vulnerability. And I know many of us, all of us, go through those moments and those seasons where it doesn't feel like life is matching up with what God said. It doesn't feel like life is matching up with who God is. And so we get into that place where we're like, God, where are you? What, what, what's happening here? Do you know, but if you dwell on that and you start to let that take root in your heart, that'll affect the way that you do relationship with Him and with others. So we express the truth. We express the heart. But we need something there to stop us from dwelling in that. Scriptures tell us to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Take it captive. You know, sometimes those, the, 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 it's not the testimony that someone else tells us, it's the talk that we tell ourselves. Do you realize that the voice you hear the most throughout every day is your own? Unless you've got a toddler. A three-year-old son. Is he three? No, he's nearly five. Where did the time go? He's five next month, yeah. But the voice that you hear the most throughout every day is your own voice. It's what you're telling yourself. It's the way you're interpreting life. It's, it's the, the, the way you're interpreting what happens to you, what's happening around you. You're talking to you. Even now, you're doing it. You're, some of you are saying, oh man, I'm so hungry. You're, th you're talking to... I, I heard that. No, I didn't really. That would be pretty crazy. But you talk to yourself. So, so check what you're saying to yourself. Because again, you can get stuck on that negative spiral where you start talking down to yourself, where you start criticizing yourself, where you start uh, tearing yourself down and your words actually are working against your life. Take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And I was thinking about this, the, the idea of a circuit breaker. 
So when you, when you, you know, in, in any kind of building, there's going to be electricity that's flowing through. And in most buildings now, you have this thing called a circuit breaker, which is to, to detect when there is a flow, a, a massive flow of energy that is potentially going to damage whatever it's going into, a massive surge. And it's designed to snap and to break the circuit. Sometimes there's these words that we say to ourselves over and over and over and over again, and they become like a cycle, like a surge of negativity that we speak into ourselves. Criticism, worry, doubt, fear, these things that we say about our situation. Do you know what? We need a circuit breaker. A breaker that will stop those things where they are. Look throughout Scripture, particularly in the Psalms. You'll see someone that says, I am so low. I am broken. My enemy is overcoming me. Where are you, God? And then they'll get to this point where the circuit breaker kicks in. Yet I will hope in you. Yet I will praise you. Yet I will still declare of your goodness. Surely I will see your goodness in the land of the living. A circuit breaker. Can we pull up uh, Lamentations? This is so good. Lamentations 3. Listen to this. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away. And I've forgotten what prosperity is. I should say it in a dramatic voice. Hey? I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And then the circuit breaker. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The circuit breaker. My mind is going in this direction. The thoughts are going down here and I can feel it starting to spiral. And I'm going to hold on to the Word. I'm going to find something that I can confess, that I can speak, that I can take in, that will help me to break that current, that current of negativity that is spiraling me down. And I'll say, yet I still hope. Even when it feels dark, even when I've lost sight, I'm still going to hope. And I'm going to allow the Word of God to affect my life. Be careful what you sit on. Be careful what you think. Be careful what you allow to take root in your mind. We hear this. They, they, they report they get so despaired. Is that even a word? They're full of despair. They're concerned. They're worried. They're like, we're going to die. We should have gone back to Egypt. We should have died in Egypt. It would have been better. Like they play this whole thing out that's not even happened. And again, the truth was if they just obeyed God, if they just walked where he said, how he said, they would have inherited the promised land. 
So let's flip that again. If the report of 10 people can influence a, a whole nation, the negative report, what can the positive report do to influence a whole nation? What can the positive testimony of the goodness of God do to flip the script of a nation? Sharing the God stories, the stories of hope, the stories of life, the stories of love, the stories of mercy. What could that possibly do to a community? I'll tell you, when we, when we moved out to Ellenbrook, and when we, we were praying about this church in Ellenbrook, do you know some of the things we were told? Churches do not grow or thrive in Ellenbrook. It's hard work out there. There's so much trouble. There's so much crime. It's Ellen Bronx. We hear these words spoken over this community. This false report. And we had to lean into Jesus and, and, and listen and say, what do you say about this place? What is your report? Yeah, there might be giants. It could be tough, challenging at times. What do you say, Jesus, about this community? That you love them. That it's ripe for harvest. That there is potential. That there is possibility. That, that, that there is transformation that is awaiting those who will listen to the report of the Lord and not just the report of ABC News. Who will take the word of what God says about this community and pray it into, into being who won't just take on what, what is said in the darkness, but will listen to what God says about in the light and speak it over the community. To change the narrative, to flip the script of what has been said about this community, that it would be known for the love. That it would be known for, for the generosity. This is a constant prayer of mine. And I pray that I've kind of been led in this, I feel like I've been led in this direction to pray that the media would catch hold of what happens here in a positive way and report it. Come on. That it would change the narrative, it would change the, the proclamation about this community because of the presence of Jesus here. Because of what God is doing. Hey, this is a place you can come to find hope. If you're looking for help, Ellenbrook's the place. If you want restoration, I hear that when people go there, they get changed. I hear that when people, put, people come in broken, somehow they get whole. That word would spread that God is at work. The eyes would be open and hearts would be open and lives would be changed for His glory. What is the report you believe in? What is the report you're believing about your family? What are the words that you are, 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 are hearing? And will you hold on to what God says? Will you hold on to what God says? Here's the last thing. Moses, it says there in verse 5, Then Moses and Aaron fell down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. 
Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephuneth, tore their clothing. They, again, dramatic, but that's the way of expressing themselves. Verse 7, they said, They said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. They heard what was said, the false report, and they, they brought the right report of the Lord. They reported what they saw, what God showed them, what God had said. The word that you stand on will help you to possess the promise that you stand in. They said, you can believe that, but we're actually going to stand on the promise of God. We're going to stand on the word of God. We're going to stand on what God said and what God showed us. It says, the, the, the land we explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. Their perspective was not on even on their own ability to battle, but was on the, the belief that God would give them victory because that's what he had promised. It wasn't, we've got a bigger army. Hey, guys, we can take him out. It's like if God wants to give it to us, he will give it to us and we will possess it. They stood on the promise of God, which helped them to stand in and possess the promise that he had. And then they say, do not, it is, it is rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. They understood that the fear that they were reacting out of was actually rebellion to the word of God. God had promised them this. He desired this for them. He wanted them to inherit it. And at that point, they were allowing fear to cause rebellion in their hearts to do what they would go on to do rather than what God wanted them to do. And then, he, then, then they bring out the giants. He says, don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And then we go down. They want to stone him. They want to kill him. Moses talks to them. Talks to God and, and he's interceding and he's begging on their behalf. Like, don't destroy these people. Remember your promises. And then God says to, to Moses about these people who had let the word overcome them. He says of them in verse 23, Numbers 14, they will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who treated with me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of the land. They, Caleb and Joshua stood upon the word of God, which helped them to stand in the promise of God. They eventually did take possession of the promised land. Why? When everyone else died in the wilderness, why? Because they believed what God had said. And they refused to succumb to the report of, of, of the rest of the nation. But they wanted to stand in the promise of God. They believed. And guess how long they had to endure and persevere? Because of the lack of faith of someone else. Because of the lack of, of, of 
obedience of another group. They had to persevere and endure, but they did take possession. What are you standing on? Notice what they talk of. They confess God's power. They say, surely God is able. He is powerful. He will win the battle. They confess his protection. He will protect us. If he wants to, he will give us victory. It's so God-focused in their testimony, in their report. It's not about us and about my power and my ability or or we're going to be overcome. He's like, God, God, God. Point them to him. Testify of his goodness. And I'm going to stand on his word. And as I stand on his word, I'm going to stand in his promise. So what are you listening to? Is it the outward, the, the external voice coming in to create fear in your heart? Or is it the internal dialogue that you're telling yourself? You, you, you're constantly going down that path. Or are you believing what God says about your situation? Are you, are you asking Him for a word on what He says about what you're going through? Be careful, but be hopeful. Because when you catch hold of what God says and what He wants to do, and you hold fast to that, you can walk with courage, knowing that He is with you, and that He is for you, and that surely He can bring you into that place. I ask the team to just come and I want to pray for us this morning. I know that, you know, we've, we actually want God to, to wash our minds, to, to cleanse some of those thoughts that perhaps we hold on to that are derailing us from what God is calling us into. And as we're praying this morning, just had that sense of almost some, some like toxic thinking in people's minds that, that is, you know, affecting the way they do life. And it feels like it's stuck there. It feels like it's, it's, it's almost become part. I want to pray this morning that, that God would help to change our thinking. That by His Word, we'd, our minds would be renewed. Restored. Whole. That we would have discernment. That when those lies or those thoughts start to come, that we would know, hang on a second, that's not the voice of God. That's not of Him. So I'm not going to entertain it. I'm not going to let it take root in my heart. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.